thanks for joining us. We are the Center for Leadership and Community Engagement at Central Washington University. I'm Kylie Wright. Hey, Wildcats. I'm Tommy Fernandez. Thanks for coming back, Tommy. Word to the Wildcats is a five-week series designed to provide space for notable CW alumni and CW educators to share stories of growth, resilience, and leadership with the current Wildcats student body. Through Word to the Wildcats, we hope to share relatable life lessons that current CW students and community members can apply to their personal story. Today we have Cody Burton, Lieutenant for the Yakima Fire Department. Cody is a second-generation firefighter following in his father's footsteps working for the city of Yakima. Do you mind starting off by sharing a little about what brought you to Central and what your time at CWU was like for you? Uh, yeah, sure. So I uh, graduated high school um, from CELA in 2000 and went to Central. And Central was kind of a, a reflection of the things I liked about school, where it was a smaller atmosphere, um, the teaching staff was accessible, um, made it a little less likely that you get lost in a crowd. And it also helped that I was close to my family. So it was a, it was a good place for me to be because I got the, the safety of, of being, being near what I, um, the relationships I had uh, back home, but then I also got to, to be far enough away where I could start to figure it out on my own as well. Was being a firefighter something you always wanted to do? Or when you first got to Central, did you have like a different attended career you wanted to pursue? Uh, so <clears throat> I didn't necessarily have a direction when I went to Central. Um, when I went to college, I, I was just here to be here. And I, you know, took my breath classes and took little samplings of, um, you know, anthropology and math and accounting and, and ended up taking an econ 101 class that I really enjoyed, which I ended up majoring in. And during the first year, um, as I kind of found that I really found that work engaging, um, I also, in the back of my mind, um, like you mentioned, I'm a second generation firefighter. Well, my dad uh, was a captain with the Yakima Fire Department. And so I always had been a witness to uh, the things that um, he would bring home, the stories he would tell and that kind of thing. So I always had that in the back of my mind, coupled with um, just experiencing new things. I, I, nobody in my family had gone to college before, so I was, I was a first-generation college student. And... Uh, when I think it was the fall of the sophomore year, I took EMT class. Uh, and that's when I really started the question, like, I like econ, I find it engaging, but I, I find this work more rewarding. And so it kind of led me down a path where I ended up finishing my degree in economics, but promptly went to work on an ambulance. Because I like I said, I found it rewarding. I, I, I found it challenging. It was, it was solving problems in 15 minute intervals is essentially what it was. Um, and it was a little exciting too. That helped. That's awesome. 
Yeah. On Monday when we spoke, you talked a little bit about how you went back to school to actually get another degree. And do you want to speak on that a little bit and how you decided to go back to school? Yeah. So um, when I was working in Yakima, I was working for an ambulance company and it's, uh, it certainly gave me a lot of good exposure and it also gave me the opportunity. I, I volunteered for a short time for um, Union Gap Fire Department. And um, so I, I finally kind of dialed in that I wanted to work for a fire department. And one of the best ways that you could do that um, is to go to paramedic school. Um, there's actually, anytime you apply for a fire department job as an EMT, uh, there usually ends up a hundred people applying for one position. So like if Seattle opens up a test, you know, they get thousands of applicants for, you know, 50 or a hundred spots. So one way that you can kind of shrink that pool is, you know, to increase your specialization. And so I decided after that kind of gap year where I worked for the ambulance, I decided to go to paramedic school and uh, to enhance my specialization. Mm -hmm. What year did you graduate? Uh, finished in 06-ish. It was, it was a tail end. Uh, mm -hmm. it was, the classes and stuff finished, um, you know, in the spring. But at that time, you basically had to ride on an ambulance until you had accrued a certain amount of skills, which was just pure luck of the draw. Did you do that in Ellensburg or did you go back to Yakima for that? Uh, so the way the, the program is, is you actually end up going all over the state. So um, wow. you proverbially uh, learn multiple ways to skin a cat because every department uh, functions um, in their county system and they always have little different rules, little tweaks that they do. So I'd ride in Kennewick one week and then the next week would be Walla Walla and then the next week would be up in Snohomish County for Monroe. So, you know, it, it was very, it was very interesting and eye-opening and, and, and like I said, it just opened up such a diversity for, ex for experience and and uh, different challenges too. You, you get to witness how every department operates and uh, the challenges they face and the way they overcome them and, and vice versa. Um, you know, I'm able to take back and see these little snapshots of things and you know, file it away in my little index card in my head and save it for later when, when I find something similar. Uh, Cody, I'm not very knowledgeable on like the ranking system for being a firefighter. <clears throat> being to be a lieutenant, and what are some of like the responsibilities of that role? So a lieutenant is kind of the first rank of above firefighter, and um, some departments actually have an in-between rank there, uh, where they uh, hire a, an engineer. They have an engineering position which is the, the driver and apparatus operator um, or pump operator. And then Lieutenant would be the person who's in charge of the engine as the whole or ladder truck. Um, so I work in an engine company uh, at the airport fire station in Yakima. And 
So I am in charge of the crew and we actually have a second unit there, which is the, the airport crash rig uh, that I'm also in charge of as well. So the, the lieutenant is the person, like I said, who's in charge of the crews as a whole. And then the rank above me is captain. And then, you know, the captain, uh, where I work, he's on a different shift at my station. But if he has a, you know, a, a job around the station that he needs our shifts to take care of, he'll pass it on to me and then I'll, you know, delegate accordingly. And then above that is uh, battalion chief or shift commander, depending on what department you go to. And uh, that's just, that's the guy in charge of all the officers. And ergo, the officers are in charge of all their firefighters. Nice. Um, was there any like challenges you had to face when you uh, transitioned into your new role as a lieutenant? So there's, there's always little challenges and there's always um, little things to problem solve. And, and a lot of it has to do with a lot of it honestly can be nipped in the bud if you are intentional about how you kind of set up your set up your day and set yourself up for success. I mean, when I was first promoted, I, uh, the first time I, I worked with the crew I was going to be assigned with, I hadn't necessarily worked with the, this particular crew before. Um, at any length of time, I didn't necessarily have a relationship beyond knowing their names and being vaguely familiar with them. So, I went into this, the conversation and the situation and, and I just basically put it out there that I, here are my expectations for you. And these are the things that I expect, you know, I expect that we're going to get our, these daily jobs done, you know, by in a timely manner so we can move on to the next part of our day. Um, and conversely, it also comes back to, I'm going to come to you and make sure that, uh, that I'm helping you get the stuff that you need done. It can't always just be what I want done, but for them to grow, I have to come to them and actually find out what it is they need, what they want to work on, how they can get what they need done. And you know, if they are interested in pursuing something, what can I do to facilitate that? And also a part of that at the back end of that conversation is they should have expectations for me too. And it's, I have expectations that they're going to complete these duties that, that, you know, we're going to work towards um, getting better and Conversely, they should have an expectation of me that I'm going to help them when I say I'm going to. And if they feel like uh, maybe I handled something wrong or something uh, didn't get handled as well as it could have, that they that we have a conversation about it. <clears throat> Unfortunately, you know, you can't set out expectations for everything like it's a bulleted point list. I don't have the time in the day. We got stuff to do. 
So when those situations occur where, you know, uh, uh, something was completed and you weren't necessarily satisfied with the results or the way it happened, or maybe, you know, something about it irked you, whatever the case may be, it's, it's, I promise I'm going to approach you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to come at you. I'm, I'm going to ask questions and we're going to find out, you know, why it was done this way. Could we have done it better? Could I have helped you better? And if it was a mistake where I felt like maybe I should have asked you to do it a different way, that's on me. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a learning experience. Yeah. <laughs> on both yeah. ends. Those are all great learning experiences. And for you as a leader growing, what is your perspective uh, uh, perspective on serving as a manager versus a leader? How do they overlap for you? So a manager, um, manager is a position. It's, you know, you're a supervising, you're, you're in charge of a project. Um, and, and leadership is, is something that um, lends itself to being a part of management, not necessarily ends up being there. Um, and, and an example I would give is um, on my crew, uh, I have two senior firefighters and a junior firefighter. Um, the junior just completed his second year recently. And uh, when he was assigned to our station, they had to train him up to be able to operate the crash rig. Um, it's not a certification I've held for probably 10 years. So I was not the best person to uh, do it, but they took it upon themselves to train him up to, to their level, which was proficient, which was strong, um, you know, very knowledgeable and, he would ask questions to them, they would answer. And I got to be a witness to this where, where I'm seeing this interaction and the senior firefighters essentially take that leadership position of, of kind of guiding and building, um, which, which being able to foster that environment, I would like to take credit for it, but realistically it's, it happened organically. You know, I, I did some things that certainly set the tone. I probably may have done something at some point that messed it up, but hopefully I made up for it. Um, But the leadership was not by rank. It it wasn't his job description. But conversely, when I'm sitting in my seat, I feel like I owe it to uh, my crew, my guys, to, to be a leader, to, to be the one who puts myself out there, who um, is honest, and that goes both ways. I have to be able to accept that honesty too when, they're, when they come to me. Yeah. And, and conversely, I promise them that I'll be honest with them. Yeah, you mentioned that, you know, of course, you know, being – your position you have to deal with uh, many different people so what is some like advice you would give about navigating different relationships you may form like in the workplace 
would I have two big pieces of advice I would give. And number one is be genu genuinely you. Um, That's great advice. At the end of the day, when you get off of work and you go home and you let your hair down, you should not be exhausted from putting up a front and being somebody you're not and have that added stress. Uh, stress is something that is terrible for your body. And if you're going to be exhausted at the end of the day, it should be because, you know, you felt like you gave it your all and you, you knocked it out of the park. The second part of that is be, be aware and be mindful of other people's actions. Um, people will tell you who they are through their actions. Some people talk a really good game and, uh, their actions suggest otherwise, uh, and others, you know, say very little, but their actions tell you who they are. And if you are more mindful of their actions versus their words, it, it speaks to, to that person's values. And in the fire service, we, we have a saying of, you learn more by looking at the smoke than by looking at the fire. Cause the fire is just bright. It, it, it's bright. It's burning. Oh, it's neat. It's cool. But by looking at the smoke, you can actually tell what it's burning, where it's burning, how hard and how fast it's burning. And, and it gives you an idea of um, like tactically how you deal with it. And it's kind of the, it's similar with people. <laughs> Don't watch the fire. Watch yeah. Watch the actions, watch the smoke. Yep. Watch by doing, learn by doing. Yep. 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 You know, dealing with relationship, um, what are some of the communication strategies you have to do when it comes to like talking with different groups of people or just how people respond to different things and stuff like that? Different strategies for communicating, communicating with different personalities, essentially. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, everybody, everybody is the, the sum of, you know, the values that they learned growing up. Um, luckily, uh, being in the profession I am, I, I get to work with a lot of people that are very similar in values. So if I'm able uh, when I approach uh, those people, um, if I don't know them personally, that's the caveat to this whole thing, is if I don't know them at a personal level, um, I, I approach a conversation with the values that, that are really a part of, of the fire service, which is, you know, that being empathetic, having a strong work ethic, um, and, and approaching thing, things in a, a logical manner. So to, uh, to speak to talking to different personality type, types, um, you should be able to uh, kind of talk to anybody with the basic baseline, you know, the mutual respect and understanding, um, in the fire service, we uh, 
have a mutual trust. We refer to each other as brother and sister firefighters. Um, so our conversations sound a little less um, couth at times. They're very direct. Um, they'll, they'll be uh, kinds, but they'll be strongly worded. Um, and then there are other personalities where if we're not talking to one of ourselves, if we're perhaps talking to a patient, well, that's, that's a professional tone and you don't know how other people are going to respond. So you just, you, you speak to them plainly, you speak to them, um, honestly, and don't sugarcoat things. It doesn't necessarily help the situation at all. And, um, you get your point across, but it doesn't behoove anybody to, to sugarcoat things. Um, you can be kind, but direct. What are some core values that you hold on to and how they've developed throughout your life? Well, so the, the core values, um, kind of a, is a shortcut for me. Um, because I was raised by a father who was in the fire service. There's, there's a reason that if you go to fire departments around the nation, you'll find second, third, fourth generation firefighters. From my father, it was that very much that strong work ethic that um, my dad, when my, so he remarried when I was eight, and my stepmom would call for dinner, right? Well, he was focused. He was focused on a project and he was going to finish this project. He was late by like five or 10 minutes every dinner because he was on this task. He was going to get it done. Um, so he, he had that mindset, that work ethic of trying to get it done and, and wanting to, to finish that project. Uh, and that's, that is prevalent in the fire service where you'll see guys, we, we don't stop until the job's done. We'll get it, knock it down as fast and as hard as possible because we want to keep things from getting worse. And the best way to do that is to address it now. Yeah. Um, and conversely, there's also the, the empathy that comes with the other side of the fire service, which is uh, the emergency medicine. And that's, you know, EMTs, paramedics and that stuff. It's when you, go to a patient, they're having the worst day of their life. They're, you know, whether they're having a heart attack or a stroke or they were in a car accident, you know, the, the being able to, to go into that situation and, you know, scoop up their sick child and basically let them know that, we're going to do the best thing that we possibly can and, and get them where they need to be. Um, it's, it is equal parts rewarding and gut wrenching at the time. Last kind of thing that I, I will say that core value that I have that my dad um, definitely instilled was that, that lighthearted nature, the, 
don't take life too seriously. You're not going to get out alive. Yep. Yeah. So. Have fun with it. <laughs> as much yep. as you can. En enjoy what you can. Enjoy the moments. Mm -hmm. Yep. Carpe diem. Seize the day. It's my father's favorite quote. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good one. Yep. He says it to me every day. <laughs> there you go. Mm -hmm. Cody, actually, I have a friend who um, is working in Yakima right now as EMT. He's aspiring to be a firefighter. And he kind of tells me about, like, some of the, like, the situations he has to go to. As you mentioned, it's a lot of pressure. Is that, like, something that you have to have or is it something you learn just to, like, be in the moment and not, like, you know, go up to the task and not, you know, fall and, you know, be stable? stable? Uh, it's... Honestly, it is repetition at its core. Um, the more you uh, repetitively do something over and over and over, the less you have to think about it. And the more you know the reasons why you do it, you know, and the more you review that stuff, it's, it, it becomes a lot inherently easier. Um, uh, in the business world, they refer to it as the 10,000 hour rule right? Like you don't truly become proficient at something until you have put 10,000 hours into it. So it's just, it's practice. And it's as much, you know, the practical task of, you know, you know, practicing CPR to, um, you know, deploying hose lines or uh, ventilating a structure by cutting cutting a section of roof off it's the more you practice a task the less you have to worry about um, worry about being overcome by the pressure of the moment yeah, being prepared for different situations yeah it, it's as much part of it also being also deciding in your head uh, beforehand you know, if this is happens, this is how I'm going to react. And um, you can't always, you know, structure fires have not, have luckily decreased in frequency from the 70s. Um, when my dad was a young firefighter, he'd tell stories about how, like on the 4th of July, they, they would have a working structure fire like every half an hour. And they would have, you know, one engine to do all the work and that's a tall task Wow! Um, yeah. versus you know now and you know construction is better and um the electrical codes are better so i mean the, overall the the frequency of the events have gone down which also means you have to uh, be more intentional and mindful of doing those mental reps of, of going through and, and deciding what you would do if A, B, or C happened. Are you comfortable with sharing any experience you had, like the first incident you had to respond to, like a call or anything like that? One of the successes that I, I had um, when I had probably been promoted for two years at this point, um, we uh, were dispatched to uh, a water rescue um, and it was springtime. The, the 
the water was coming off the mountain. It's icy cold, right? It's just, it's just the first starting to warm up in the mountains. So all the creeks are overrun. He was probably uh, flooding on the west side of Allensburg, I'm sure at the time. It usually happens about that time of year. Um, but in Yakima, it's kind of the same things. So the, the creeks are at capacity and we went to a call for an elderly male who had uh, fallen into the creek. And when I say creek, I mean, it was 10 feet wide and the water was, was moving quickly. Um, and on our way to the call, now water rescues are not something that we do necessarily a whole lot of. Uh, we do a, an annual training and we kind of talk over it um, outside of the training that we do department wide. Um, but on the way to the call, uh, we had not had a refresher um, probably for nine months at that point. So on our way to the call, we're, I was talking to my guys and I was like, all right, <laughs> I'm going to have you grab uh, our floating rope. You're going to jump top and grab our light vests. And I'm going to scoot out there as fast as we can and figure out where this guy's at and, and uh, what kind of shape he's in. And soon as we get there, sets the parking brake, break, and it was Chinese fire drill, right? Everybody's off grabbing their stuff, doing their thing. And I go to look and see what we got. And we see an elderly gentleman who um, was chasing his turkey uh, across and ended up couldn't catch him and fell into the creek. And he ended up getting rushed down and he was actually stuck underneath some, some overgrown uh, brambles and weeds and stuff. So he's in a tight spot. Um, because we talked about what everybody was gonna do, um, not 20 seconds, it seemed like it was even less than that, after um, I'd figure out where he was and He'd been in there at 10 points, right? He's starting to approach hypothermia at this point. And he's, he's more susceptible anyways because of his age. So um, my guys get there with the rope. I take the first bag and I just happen to do my best bowling throw I've ever done in my life and got a strike and guy was able to grab it. Usually we try and get a second one in there so we can kind of loop it in there and, and make it so he doesn't have to use his, his body weight. Uh, and so that we can actually take all of his, his weight for him because at this point he's hypothermic. Well, unfortunately that, there was no way we were able to make that work. And so we just, we improvised on the fly and um, our second engine uh, had just rolled up at that point and uh, they knew they needed to go downstream to be um, basically our, our safety or backup plan in case something went sideways. And we were able to secure the guy uh, enough that um, he was, when he let go, he was able to get drugged towards the shore. Um, and my, my tailboard firefighter was sitting there and caught him and drug him up on shore and he was on the gurney on his way to the hospital by the time our battalion chief got there. So it was 
it was a rapid series of events, but it was, it was the, the quintessential example of, you know, we practice our tasks for proficiency so that when, when we get there, we can execute quickly and um, hopefully get the best outcome. And that was, I think, technically the first save I had as a company officer. That's yeah. a neat story. Yeah, thank you for sharing that story with us. Yeah, like you said you have to um, improvise a lot. And, you know, you, they teach you for certain situations how to react. But, you know, all situations can be different. So being mm -hmm. able to improvise and think of a new way to do things must be very important. Yeah. Um, you know, we we practice our, our our core tasks, you know, to a heavy level of proficiency. Um, but it's the actual experience on the job, you know, when we go to fires and when we go to EMS calls, uh, where it's that experience of, well, we tried this and that did not work at all. Is there anything that you wish you would have known as a new firefighter right out of college? Uh, or any advice you would give you would give yourself if you could take it back time. Yeah. Uh, talk less <laughs> to other people. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, the proverbial, uh, guy gave you two ears, but one mouth use them proportionally. That, that would have been a good one for me. If I was talking to me, um, <laughs> the thing is you, you can't, uh, learn if you're talking. And um, if, you're, if you're prone to be chatty, you may be missing uh, something important that, uh, you could be, that you could be learning, uh, that you could be absorbing. So um, that, uh, there's, there's a lot of wisdom out there. And, and that goes you know, across the board, no matter what industry you're talking about. Um, you can, you know, are you, are you talking socially with somebody or are you, um, uh, talking with them, you know, work related because, uh, it'd behoove you, um, honestly to be the last to speak. Um, so you do get the opportunity to listen to what everybody else has to say. Um, that would be mine. You, you've been prepared to be in a firefighter from your dad and kind of had a good knowledge of what it takes to be a firefighter. Was there anything that like surprised you going in that you weren't expecting? Every time somebody calls 911, um, it, it is, you know, the worst day of their life um, with a few exceptions. Um, and being able to process that at, a young age when, when honestly, when I first started doing it, I was 21. Um, I mean, technically I'm, my brain wasn't even fully matured at that point. So being able to process that stuff, uh, was, was difficult. Um, and coming up with healthy ways to process that, um, was, uh, it, it was uh, 
a little tougher to uh, do than I had imagined to, to process the, the things that I experienced. Um, it wasn't until I actually got hired as a firefighter and I got to witness um, how uh, a lot of the, the senior firefighters and officers, you know, the things that they had done um, to help them process that I really started to click on, oh, well, that's why my dad would do that. Um, so some of that, I guess, came with, came with the uh, age where I started to look back into my past and uh, realize um, some of the things that my dad did where I was like, oh, I always thought that was kind of weird where I did that, but okay. Can you share an example of a time you made a mistake and took ownership for it? And how did you approach that and what lessons did you learn? So in, it would have been April 1st of uh, 2018. Um, this would have been about four months after my dad passed. Uh, I uh, came back to work and I didn't necessarily realize it at the time, but I wasn't ready. <clears throat> um, and this kind of ties into emotional uh, toll and processing and whatnot. It, it, at the end of the day, it, it's time. Time, you know, is necessary to help you process things. And I was not necessarily um, all at work. And that was, um, unfortunately, it was also the day before my girl's birthday, um, but uh, we responded to a fire. And, uh, you know, I'd been back to work for a couple weeks at this point. And, I mean, I was physically there. And uh, I was um, walking through this uh, the structure. Um, we... There wasn't necessarily a whole lot going on. It was light smoke conditions. And we had been there previously um, and we had cut out some sections of floor and uh, dropped some roofing. And I was walking through, visibility was poor. And um, I was kind of absentmindedly, I was not in the moment. And I uh, ended up found a section of flooring that happened to be absent and uh, that 80 pounds worth of gear, uh, gravity doing what it does, uh, took me to the ground and not the ground actually, it was a rafter. A rafter broke my fall. Uh, broke my fall and it broke five ribs. Um, and that one instance had has given me the uh, the benefit of of hindsight being what it is is that you have to be present to be effective <laughs> beyond the physical um, it was a it was a heavy heavy emotional toll for my family because we'd already been through a lot at that point. 
and uh, and then obviously it's not like my daughters were gonna let me live down the fact that I ruined their birthday because they had to go to the ICU to see their dad on their birthday. Um, but anytime you are uh, you find yourself in a position where you need to you need to work hard. You need to be um, you need to be there. You need to be mindful, and um, you you cannot just be present. Um, ever since that uh, that kind of that literal low point, I. Uh, I've certainly been a little more mindful about the way I approach things in my own personal life. Um, I've uh, tried to expound my boundaries and uh, try to share my experiences, experiences with, you know, you guys, um, but also to anybody who listen to me at work. And um, I, that was actually one of the catalysts having hit that uh, kind of, there was a trifecta of, of low points that particular um, section in my in my life and for my family. So once we kind of went through those, <clears throat> um, it happened to be uh, the the agent for change for me to um, help uh, others within our department. We have we uh, recently developed a peer support program. Um, because this, it is a tough job. There's, there is a lot to process and, um, not everybody knows how to, to say the words. Um, and sometimes the words don't necessarily need to be said. Sometimes you just need to, to listen. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is certainly one mistake that I, I made in a personal level. Now that doesn't necessarily, um, that isn't necessarily directly about leadership, but it does speak to the mindfulness that I think is absolutely important when, when you are um, trying to engage other people and when you're trying to, to be authentic to them is you definitely need to be a part of it. You, it's, it's full-fledged. It's, yeah. You, you need to be there. Mm -hmm. Step one, show up. Yeah. Yeah. Cody, I just wanted to thank you for sharing. And that totally is a leadership lesson for sure. And a great thing that everyone can have take away from. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. As we wrap up this episode, what is the core takeaway you want listeners to hear from you? So as we kind of talk a little bit about um, leadership and whatnot, at, at the core of everything, leadership starts with uh, building relationships. And at the end of the day, um, Number step one, you have to show up and everybody has, you know, uh, that one or two contacts in their phone where they look at and they're like, Oh, I really need to call them. 
like especially with everything that's going on right now with COVID-19, like everybody has, you know, they know of that person who's particularly isolated and they, they keep thinking to themselves, Hey, I should reach out. Um, be mindful, reach out. Um, they're going to appreciate it more than you know. And, uh, everybody has their own very human experience. Um, so mm -hmm. go do it together. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today, Cody. And tune in next week for more Words of the Wildcats with CWU alumni. And for more information about the podcast, please check out our social media. And you can go on cw.edu forward slash leadership slash engage. And also feel free to check out our Spotify account and our Google podcast.